Father, we agree with the words of that song <laughs> that your love's better than life. You know us, Lord. Some days we uh, are more excited about the movements and the activities of our day than we are about your love. But here we are together again on a Sunday. Lord, even, even as we do it virtually, we, we, we're thankful for your love. And it, it is good. It gives us this amazing freedom that uh, nobody else on this planet can, can enjoy outside of you, Jesus. So we, we celebrate you and we, we state that again and again as that song, as that chorus rings out that your love is better than life. Lord, as we open your word now, we recognize it as powerful and we pray you'd speak to us through it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us here on Memorial Day weekend. It is a very important weekend in our nation. It's one that's been observed for a while. As we remember men and women that have given up their lives for our freedom, for the freedom of the United States of America. It's a, uh, oh, it's this act of ultimate service, right? It's a sacrifice, but they, they gave, as they served us through the military, they gave up their lives, this ultimate act of service. And so for those of you that are taking this in, that served, thank you for serving. And you, you have a better appreciation for the sacrifice that some made by giving up their life because you, you were there, you knew them, and you feel this holiday better than any, any of us ever can. And then some, you've actually lost a father or a brother or a grandfather or, or, or someone else in battle protecting the freedom of the United States. So this weekend has, it's not just about getting out in the sun, right? It's, it's, it's not just another holiday. It's, it's got intense meaning to you because you've tasted that ultimate act of service. Now, as we open this book, this book of Philippians, a book in the Bible, it's written by a guy named Paul. Paul's in prison, suffering for the cause of Christ, for Christ's kingdom. And I want you to understand, for those of y'all particularly that really understand Memorial Day, and we all appreciate the sacrifices of those that have given our freedom, but some more. As we listen to Paul write, he is on the path to give up his life for the cause of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. He's going to give up. He's going to die. He's not going to just die a natural death. He's actually going to be executed because he believes and proclaims the name of Jesus Christ. In essence, he has made war against, against the enemy on behalf of Christ. And he's going to give up his life. So as we, we take in this passage, we're actually reading. We're reading what a man wrote who gave up everything for the sake of the gospel. We've been uh, in chapter 3 and we're picking up in verse 12. I just, I just want to read you this line. I want us to stew on it a little bit. It says this. Paul writes, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things. He's pointing back to the passage before. Or that I've already reached perfection. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus possessed me. It's an interesting little line. It says, I, I haven't already achieved these things. What things? If you go back to verse 10 in chapter 3, it says, I, he says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. He says, I want to know Christ. I want to experience him. I don't want to just know him intellectually. I want to experience him. And I want to experience the power that raised him from the dead. He, uh, he wants to be like Christ, that he not only suffers on this planet, but he achieves this this." this uh, acting like Christ on the planet, fully alive. 
I, I want you to just stew on that. He, he says, I haven't already achieved these things, knowing Christ. How about you? Have you achieved that? I, I think it's pretty obvious in this passage and in life that uh, you never achieve full knowledge of Christ. I know a bunch of you are taking this in. You're sitting with your family. And, and then some of y'all begun to gather with multiple families and you're, you're taking it in. And you can look over at your spouse and you've known her for X number of years, uh, uh, 5, 10, 30 in my case, right? And when I met Cheryl and we hung out, I, I knew her. I mean, I got to know her and I got to know her better and better. And we got married. I, that relationship got deeper, but it, it never, I'm never going to know her perfectly. I can't fully take in Cheryl Reeves, right? And, and Paul's saying that about Jesus, that, that it's never going to be perfect. I'm not going to fully, fully know him. And yet... You'll see in the verses to come that he's striving to know him better. Here's what it says. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. This word perfection is just interesting in the first verse and, and in these verses to come as he presses forward. One of, the, one, of the term, one of the Greek words means that he strains, as he presses forward to this goal which Christ has set for him. Uh, there's a word that sometimes people throw around, throw around called holy discontent. Like he's satisfied in his relationship with Jesus and then yet he's not. Like he believes that Jesus, as he said in the passage last week, does everything. He has no confidence, Paul does, in his flesh. He believes in Jesus, but at the same time, he's desiring to serve him with his whole heart. The boys uh, fired up The Patriot with uh, Mel Gibson in it the other night, and I got to watch portions of it. That's a movie that makes the old man cry a little bit. And uh, there's this particular scene where the young guy, the, the son, Gabriel Martin, right? I don't know if you remember, but the star is, is Benjamin Martin, and he's like this compilation of a bunch of great figures in, in the Continental Army that were, that were from South Carolina. Like you, you got uh, Andrew Pickens and Francis Marion and, and Thomas Sumter. And, and, and so the writer of The Patriot, he kind of took the stories of all those men and put them in one man, Benjamin Martin. So he's He's terrific in the movie. But his son, Gabriel, hears a speech. He hears about how the Continental Army is going to fight for the freedom of the United States uh, from Britain. And uh, he wants to join so bad. And there's these altercations between his dad, Benjamin, and the son, Gabriel. And you can just feel the conviction of the 17-year-old boy for the cause, our cause, you know, our cause, this, this free nation, the United States. And it's, it's compelling. It's, it frustrates his father. It frustrates him to no end. As you, as you read this passage, you can feel Paul like he's compelled for the freedom for the folks that have met Jesus. And he wants to finish his whole life staying compelled. There's this crazy scene where Benjamin Martin in the movie is arguing with his son. His son's been wounded. Long story. You have to watch the movie if you want to see it. And, and the son is going back to battle. And, and the dad's like, I forbid you to go back. And uh, Gabriel, the son, looks back at his dad respectfully. 
but still walks out and gets on his horse and he rides away back to battle. And there's this uh, little scene there where the dad is in the house and he's reflecting on that moment and you can, you can, you can see him sorting out, has he missed something? He's being inspired by a 17-year-old son that is passionate for, for the freedom of Americans. And when you read this passage, we're watching the Apostle Paul lead in passion for the freedom of believers. At, at Paul at this point, he's been following Jesus for 30 years. So that passion that he had when he was a young 17-year-old, he's still maintaining. And you, if you go watch this movie here in the next little bit, you'll see that Benjamin Martin, inspired by his son, he goes back to battle and becomes a, a core piece of winning America, according to the movie The Patriot. It's a good moment, students. You're sitting at your house. Maybe you're watching this later in the week. You're in high school. You're in college. Hey, you play this role at Radius. That is super significant. You, because of your age, have hope and energy. There's something electric about you at times. And when you, you go away to college and you come back and you bring the excitement that you have for Christ there, because that's a pretty tough place to be often at college. And you got involved in Campus Crusade and some lights came on. We need your lights here. We need you to bring that energy back and put pressure on us old guys, on our older Lady, how do you even say older ladies? I'm not sure. But put pressure on the old guys by, by bringing that energy back so that uh, we'll be reminded how we used to think. And we'll forget, as the passage says, the past and look forward to what's in the future. How's that work out for you? Forgetting, forgetting the past. Uh, Tony Evans writes this. To become an excellent Christian and fulfill your kingdom purpose you must have a short memory and clear direction. It's a great picture to give us, right? So, so when you get saved, when you believe in Jesus, you have this, as Tony Evans writes, a kingdom purpose, which means Jesus leading us into his kingdom might ask you to do something, and he's gifted you the ability to be able to do it. And so he's asking, what's your kingdom purpose? In order to fulfill your kingdom purpose, Tony Evans, like the writer of, uh, of Philippians says, you must have a short memory. Man, watching some of those battle scenes, it's just, it's just uh, man, it's difficult to take in as, as a young man on the front line, shooting at the enemy, uh, not very far away, loses the guy beside him. He's got to stay focused. And he's got to have this really short memory, and then he's got to, have this clear direction on what he's supposed to do. That's what Paul's saying. Hey, I want you to forget what's in the past. Some of y'all are 38 years old. You're still talking about what you did when you were 23 years old for Christ. What's happened lately, right? Forget what's in the past. I'm talking about the good. I mean, those stories have value and they can be told at times, but what's happened in the last week? What's happened in the last month? In the early days of Radius, so it's been... 16 plus years ago, we would do this uh, thing we called it an HD. At the time, HD was the clearest type of TV you could own. So we called it HD and we'd invite people over to uh, Chris Seabee's uh, room over the garage and we'd all hang out up there and we'd tell stories. And the, the, whole, the whole idea was to create an environment more intense than Sunday mornings so we'd be accountable for how we lived. And we had these rules. We only met once a month. 
but you couldn't tell a story about how you loved your radius, like your neighbors or your coworkers, unless it was recent. And as a matter of fact, a lot of times we'd only allow you to tell the story if it was in the last seven days. We do that with quiet times. Like, when's the last time you interacted with God where there was a powerful moment when you were reading the Bible, and it can't be like when you were at camp as a kid or back when you were in college. It's, it's got to be like now. It was powerful. It was present. So we're not looking back. We're looking forward. Some of us get stuck in the past because we've had massive failures, right? We got caught up in some addiction, uh, some sort of sin. Perhaps our family came apart. We have these things that have scarred us and maybe even embarrassed us a little bit, and they can become just all-consuming and so we're constantly looking in our rearview mirror while we're trying to move forward in life, and we lose, we lose concentration on all the stuff that's in front of us. As a matter of fact, you almost have to take your foot completely off the gas because your eyes are on the rearview mirror of what's happened bad in the past. Some of you have been uh, just hurt deeply, do no fault of your own. And that hurt continues to own you. And and as you kind of move through life, you keep looking up in that mirror and looking at that hurt, and that hurt is legitimate. And me not knowing what it is, I just, I just want to empathize. I want to say I'm sorry. But there comes this moment as you heal with the living God, as you walk with Jesus, where your eyes come out of that rearview mirror and you begin to look back through the windshield and you're able to slide your right foot to the gas and begin to move again on mission. I don't know if you remember the series before we went through Philippians. We, we were, we got cut off by, the, as, as we're saying in the South right now, the COVID. <laughs> we, we were going through the life of Joseph and uh, Joseph names his two sons and his, he just has these powerful names. His, his, his oldest son, he names Manasseh. And I don't know if you remember what it means, but it says, God has made me forget my hardship. And when you read, read it, actually, uh, it, it seems that he's particularly pointing to his hardship, the pains in his family, <laughs> because his plant, family's pretty jacked up. And so he names his first son, Manasseh, God has made me forget my hardship. We listened to another preacher preach it, and he said, I let that stuff go. So I stopped looking in that rearview mirror. There's occasion to glance up there and see what's happened in the past, good, bad, and ugly, but for the most part, Apostle Paul was saying, hey, hey, keep your eyes looking through the windshield, right? Look, look forward. When you look forward, you go back again to chapter 3, verse 10. And what are we looking forward at? We're looking forward at Christ. We're looking forward at knowing Christ and then growing in our knowledge of Christ. And so our eyes are focused out. When you think of growing in knowledge, if, you know, if you're dating right now, that might seem like, uh, you know, like a relational thing. Like I'm looking forward and, and you've got this guy or this girl on, in your mind and you're looking forward to that relationship. And anytime you're apart for a while, you can't wait to be back together. There's this looking forward to that moment. This COVID thing might have messed everything up and you're not getting enough time. You're looking forward to having time again. You think about it relationally or as we read the scripture awfully in a devotional kind of way. But another way to look at it as you look forward is in an obedience kind of way. So the king kind of back in the back leading the troops in the battle is giving instruction and we have the opportunity to be obedient. 
I think sometimes you say obedience, it feels a little negative and you, you think only rules. Well, there's certainly some rules as we follow Jesus. We, we listen to what the scriptures say and we, we try to obey them and live within those rules. But then there's also this, this press to go. And the king in the back says to you over there that you should start a Bible study in your home. You gonna do it? Like, like that's what it means to look forward to start that Bible study at Radius, we have all these small groups, and uh, perhaps you're supposed to j join one, or perhaps you're supposed to lead one, or I don't know what you're supposed to do, but perhaps the king wants your services, and I imagine that he does one way or another, and he wants you to serve and put yourself a little bit in harm's way for the good of others. I saw some, some folks last week actually hosting watch parties in their garage and have neighbors over and they've got uh, some folks from Radius over, some friends from other spots. And bro, that's exactly what this is talking about. Looking forward, taking the truths about Jesus and taking them to the world. In a couple of days, you're going to hear about, if you're a partner, you're going to hear about these chairs. We, we bought all these camp chairs and they got Radius Church on the back of them. And if you're a partner, you're going, to get the, you're going to get to grab one. And we can't wait to hear about the stories of those camp chairs and all the places that they're going to be loving your radius. That's looking forward. Hopefully there's going to be pictures all over town in garages and sounds like rec sports are opening back up at the ball field. There are going to be these radius chairs. Hopefully you'll be, you have to behave, right, at the ball field. You're representing Jesus with the radius chair or, or in a circle in your neighborhood six feet apart representing Jesus. So when we read this passage, you can feel this. He actually says in verse 14, Paul says, I press on. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. <laughs> he wants to finish he wants to finish, but there's a, some beauty in that passage. It's as if Christ is at the end of the race and he can see him and he wants to get to him. There's a scene in that, in that uh, movie, The Patriot, that is, I just, I start crying as soon as it stops. So my family kind of smiles at me because I'm softy that way. But the dad takes his third and fourth son. His oldest son is, been, uh, is being held prisoner and his second son has been killed by the enemy, and so he takes his third and fourth son, I don't know, they look up nine and 11, and they're chasing the enemy who's got his oldest son. You gotta watch it again. And he sets the boys up in, in a uh, ambush kind of setting with rifles, nine and 11, and he tells them what to do. He says, tells them to aim small, miss small, and then he looks at the two boys as he runs over to get ready to fight, uh, and he, he just says, steady. Every time I hear him say, put his hand on his boy and just say, steady, my heart shakes. That's really, Dad, if you're taking this in, what we're doing, we, we are aligned with the King of glory, Jesus Christ. He's establishing his kingdom, and it's our job to fight for the glory of God and for our children to be ready to do the same. It's intense as I, as I take that in and I think about finishing and you, you can see this, this, this Benjamin Martin counting the cost. That if he dies while he's fighting, he actually gives his boys instructions about drop your guns and run and where to hide. It's just, it's just intense. 
I hope you understand this, this walk with Jesus is, is intense. If, you, if you're counting on a day where we stand before the king of glory, as he establishes his kingdom here on earth, but then when he comes again and we see him in heaven, then we, we're taking our stuff and with our energy and our training for our children, we're preparing for a day where we actually see him. Verse 15 reads like this. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. You ever do that with your kids? You don't really let them answer. You go, hey, if you're really mature, you agree with me. If you disagree on some point, and it's pretty cool because this is, this is the apostle Paul. He's patient with him. I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress that we have already made. Another translation says that we've attained. So, so all this work we've done, right, to follow Jesus, the work that he's done in us, and then we've worked it out as we heard a couple weeks ago. We must hold on to the progress that we've already made. Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. We used to have this uh, counselor at the camp I grew up at. Called him Mr. Howe. He was from Tallahassee, and he grew up in South Georgia, so he had this awesome accent, and he had all these sayings that he'd say. And He's my counselor, and then my, my boys have gone to that same camp. All my boys have been in his cabin, so he's got these, you know, country sayings that are classic, and I, I can't remember the saying. I'm sure, I wish I could. I would love to try to imitate him saying it, but it was something about being around a dog with fleas, then you're going to get fleas, and that's really what the Apostle Paul was saying, like, like who are you following? Like, who are you following? And in the end, he said, hey, hey if you got to know about it, follow me. Follow my example. And it's really cool how he says in verse 7, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. Not only mine, but others. Who are you pattern your life after right now? <laughs> in the middle of the COVID, who's influencing the way you think? <laughs> right? It, right now, it could be... Uh, you could be really isolated and maybe you ran with a really solid group of ladies and y'all were getting time together and you haven't been able to get the time together. And so now all the things that you're taking in continue to push you toward isolation. And uh, you probably need to rethink what you're putting in. Right? Maybe you're taking in the news outlets, maybe you're taking in the social media outlets and they're just not doing anything productive in your heart. So then just a good moment to rethink it because if you hang out with another dog with fleas, you're going to get fleas. This uh, passage would also seem to indicate that, hey, but if you follow the, the guy or the lady that sets a great example, then you might be drawn, like you, you have potential to, to be drawn toward the way they live and be transformed. So as you take this in, as, as we consider coming out of uh, this COVID season, right, it's a great chance to reset. Maybe there's some friends that you need to cut. Maybe there's some new friends that you need to add. Maybe you need to give somebody permission that you can tell their life is, is genuinely aligned around Christ. Give them some permission to speak into your life. You, you really feel that. He's saying, hey, if you're spiritually mature, you'll agree with these things. In other words, you will forget the past and look forward. You'll strive forward. You'll press to the end of the race. And if you want to learn to press, then you're going you're to press with somebody else. It's an honor for me to uh, sit with a group of elders here at Radius that press in their own lives, 
They volunteer all these variety of places at Radius. All of them are involved in our community, loving the community. And so when I sit with them, I feel like they're carrying weight that I carry, but I also feel like I'm shoulder to shoulder and we're walking into a battle. And it inspires me. I hope you have that. If you don't, I really believe that we could provide that here at Radius, right? I believe there's this opportunity of doing this together that will uh, inspire us. It's interesting in the passage we, we shared last week, we're supposed to share in the joy. I'm in this big room with nobody in it, right, because of COVID. And, and, and normally there's all these people that are connected to Jesus and we're together and we kind of share in this hour or so together. But we're still sharing. I'm sharing with you, even though you're in your living room or garage or at your kitchen table, we're sharing in this thing. And you, you actually, there's an inspiration from one another as you walk with Christ, as you continue to, to strain forward, even by disciplining yourself to take this in in this crazy season. We're sharing in this joy. <laughs> I keep talking about this as a battle. We don't have any sticks or swords or guns or any of that. We, we just have these weapons that God's entrusted us with. One of them is his word. I got printed out on a sheet today. That one's always pretty clear because we call it the sword of the spirit. But as you take in this passage, one of, one of our great weapons is how we love one another, how we stay together. Let me remind you again, as things start opening up, some of us are, man, we want to wear a mask everywhere we go. And others of us are, are like completely opposed to that. And then the majority of us are somewhere in the middle. But one thing's for certain at Radius Church, we're not going to let something like that divide us. We're not going to let something like that discredit the name of Christ and all of his work. So you read this passage, and one of our great weapons to love on the world around us is our unity, how we get along, how we stay with each other, even if we have a little different view on something. Another one of our great weapons as you, as you read this is this joy that we share in because of the cross of Christ and the freedom that we've been given. It's something that our forefathers of the United States, when they were giving up their lives or risking their lives or putting other men's lives in harm's way, they were dreaming about a country that was so free that it would be full of joy. In many ways, they accomplished that. And then we've become so prosperous because of that freedom and joy, perhaps we've lost our way a little bit. Perhaps we've lost our way a lot. Verse 19, 18. For I have told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, there are many whose conduct shows them that they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They're headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. As I think again about the great nation of the United States of America. Uh, it's very easy as an American Christian, to somehow take the American way and make it the biblical way. And they just don't always match. And so in this particular verse, I, I feel like often in our churches, we preach a gospel that actually says that they think only about the things here on earth. Like we actually are teaching our people that they ought to live to have more things here on earth. He says, their God is their appetite. There's false teachers coming into this little church of Philippi and they're teaching all kinds of things and they're getting people excited about what they could have if they live a life of faith, which I, 
just heretical. It's ugly, scary to think that we would be motivated just by the stuff here on earth. And, and I, I want to get all, all jacked up about it, but every one of us, right, we're taking this in right now, and we're, we're thinking about what we're going to have for lunch, right? So very easily, our, our stomach, we can be consumed with what the brain in our stomach is thinking about the next meal, right? Our God is our appetite. So there's this ongoing battle for us, and we do not want that to seep into the American church. The American way is not the biblical way. We want to be like Christ. We belong, as you're going to read in this next passage, we belong to another kingdom. Verse 20 says, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own using the same power with which we will bring everything under his control. We're citizens in heaven. We are eagerly awaiting to see Jesus, the Savior. Why does he call him Savior, right? Paul's already believed. Jesus already died on the cross. He's already risen from the dead. He's already saved Paul. He's already saved the Philippians. Remember Lydia? He's already saved her. He saved the Philippian jailer, the little girl who was demon-possessed. He saved her. He's already saved him. Why does he call him a Savior again? Well, he's looking for the day when Jesus comes back He's coming back, and uh, he comes as a savior for us all. Well, he saved us by the cross, so my sins are forgiven. But he's going to come back someday, and I am going to be made completely right. I'm completely right on the inside. But he's coming back, it says, and he's going to change this mortal, weak mortal body into glorious bodies like his own. That's going to be a good day. You looking forward to it? Are you, are you eagerly waiting for it? When I read that line, I circled it on my page. You can see it here. Uh, not sure I'm eagerly waiting for it because sometimes my mind, I'm just excited about the next thing. The next time I get to see one of my granddaughters, right? About the next ball game that I'm going to get to go see. It's really easy for my eyes to get on, uh, on the chips and... Bean dip up at the Mexican restaurant here in just a little bit, right? Like my eyes get on that, and sometimes I'm just not eagerly awaiting. Ask yourself that question, maybe after we're done talking. About a year ago, um, one of the hardest weeks ever at Radius Church, there was a man who was a part of our body named Chris McCutcheon, and he lost his life May 28th. As a matter of fact, his life was taken from him. And uh, we grieved with Wendy and with her family. It's one of the most painful seasons I can ever remember in my life and certainly one of the most painful seasons for Radius. And yet there's all this glory in it. I'm sitting in a Radius Lexington building where the funeral was. And I still remember, I'll never forget it. And uh, Mike Funderburg, who led worship that day, we, we, we keep talking about how Wendy, she sat on the front row and Mike led us in a number of songs she requested, and she sang, and she led this church like it's never been led. Todd and I never led it like she did. She led it lifting the name of Jesus above her situation. <laughs> Paul, already in this, this chapter, 21 verses, 21 times he says the name of Jesus. And Wendy said it for us all. In, in a day, her hardest day ever on the planet, she worshiped the name of Jesus. And, and, and today, a year later, I just want you to know on Memorial Day, 
Memorial Day weekend for the United States of America, there's a picture at Radius Church of Chris McCutcheon. <laughs> it's, it's not on any of the walls, but he's a man. As, as she celebrated that day, she celebrated Christ, who had aligned himself with Christ. He was flawed. He'd tell you in a minute his flaws. But he gave his life all the way to the finish. He strived all the way to the finish. And if you could, if you could speak to him now, I wish you could. He could tell you the days where he, he, he was here and there and he's trying to figure it out and struggling to stay focused and strained all the way to the end. And he did, he finished. I'm jealous of his finish. I want to finish well like he did. He's a, he's a hero for us. If we had a memorial day for, kingdom, for the kingdom of God, the kingdom that Jesus is, is establishing, Chris died living out our values here at Radius Church. He was, he was loving his neighbor. We need to follow his example. We need to follow Paul's. We need to follow one another's example and finish well. Let me pray for us. Father, it's... Uh, fun to be speaking right now in this room all alone, knowing all the people that will take it in in their living rooms. And I trust, Holy Spirit, that you will press on their hearts, have them check their lives. For some, Lord, I, I know how difficult it can be to, to put all this stuff behind us, to forget the past. I pray you give them some freedom in that way today. Lord, for, for some... Uh, Thinking about giving up all their stuff for your glory doesn't even register. And I pray you would teach them what a disciple looks like and you would mature them so that someday it would make sense. Pray you would do lots of work in all of our rooms today. It's kind of fun for us to be watching on a, on a, on a TV screen or a computer screen and, and other folks meeting in parking lots and in, in, in grassy fields and all of us saying that you're great. <laughs> we celebrate the cross, Jesus. We celebrate your great ultimate act of service on that cross. We love you. In Jesus' name.